Welcome to another episode of Outside Ourselves. I'm your host, Kelsey Clumbera. Today's conversation is with writer and speaker, Elise Fitzpatrick. You may know Elise from her many books on the Christian life. And today we are chatting a little bit about uh, perfectionism and its problems. Whether you relate to being a perfectionist or not, I think we can all relate to being stuck in an endless cycle of trying to appease the law, whether that's God's good law as Christians or it's all of these little L laws that we run into in our day-to-day lives. Because the truth is, as Elise reminds us today, none of us can measure up to the standards of perfectionism, the standards of whatever the law is telling us to do. And the more and more we try to reach those standards, the more and more we will find ourselves crushed and accused by the fact that we're not doing as well as we would hope to do. But there's good news, and Elise and I talked today about that good news, the promises of God that are given to us and that are ours now in Christ. And as a result, because we have those promises as Christians, the fact that we can rest, that we can find our worth and our identity there rather than in how we appear to the outside world. Elise, as always, offers us great comfort in this message. I know that you will enjoy this conversation. Here's today's episode. Hey, Elise, thanks so much for being here today. It's good to see you. It's good, to, it's good to be with you. Well, I am looking forward to our talk today and our time together. Um, if you want to just start by telling those who are listening who you are, where you come from, what you do, all that stuff, yeah. then I think we can get started. Uh, yeah, first of all, thanks. Thanks for having me on. Um, yeah. All right. So Elise Fitzpatrick. Um and I live in San Diego, where I have lived pretty much my whole life. Uh, I am married almost 50 years. I have Amazing. three children and six grandchildren, the youngest of whom are graduating from high school this year. And um, I, you know, it's interesting. I, I wasn't raised in what like you would call a Christian home. Mm. Um, but uh, my grandmother was a Lutheran. And so she used to take me to uh, the Lutheran church from time to time as I was growing up. Um, I was baptized as a Lutheran and mm. uh, actually confirmed as a Lutheran. Um, but when I was like 12 or 13 and I did that, those confirmation classes, um, I remember the Apostles' Creed now, still from then. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, I, I don't think I was. Uh, I don't think I had come to faith. You know, hmm. I um, and then uh, I think when I was about thirteen, I asked my mom, well, "What are we doing here?" And she said, "I don't know. Maybe so we can see if we can all get along." Hmm. I thought, well, that's lame. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, I threw myself into Southern California lifestyle in the late mm. 60s, early 70s, 1971. I became a Christian, actually at the 
sort of height of the Jesus movement, was hmm. baptized again in the ocean. <laughs> and um, yeah, that was in 1971. So I'm coming up. Uh, yeah, I've passed my 50th birthday as a believer. Uh, went ahead, got a degree in theology. And from there, got a master's degree in biblical counseling. Um, I've written a few books and I do some speaking. Just a few. Just a few. <laughs> and, uh, uh, yeah, so I, you know, the thing that drives me um, and has driven me for all these years is uh, Jesus looked at me and he didn't look away. Hmm. So. Yeah. He looked at me, and he um, chose me, brought me to himself, saved me, and he's held on to me for mm. all these years, which is really kind of an amazing thing. Mm. Uh, yeah. So, um, you know, I, I would say about 15 or so years ago, I, I took a, a stronger turn toward the gospel than I, where I had been. Okay. Um, I think I would have said I was sort of a run-of-the-mill evangelical type. Mm -hmm. And then uh, I had friends that uh, started talking to me about the fact that I was missing the gospel. Hmm. And um, so the Lord did a work in my heart. Um, I want to say about, well, I don't even know how long ago. <laughs> as a as while I ago. Say, was, it was before the pandemic. Yeah, <laughs> uh, fifteen years ago, and uh, and I wrote a book called "Because He Loves Me," which is a book about how the gospel intersects with our daily life. And ever since then, I've been writing books basically about the same thing, but maybe just looking at specific areas. So, how does the gospel uh, affect parenting? How yeah. does the gospel affect uh, counseling? How does the gospel affect the way we see women? Yeah. Those kinds of things. Mm -hmm. And um, so it's all, all of it been around uh, the good news. Uh, yeah. That he sees us and doesn't look away. That's great. When you, um, I mean, I, I guess I maybe had heard that you were, confirmed Lutheran. I don't know. Um, but that's, that's really interesting to me. I'm curious about the time though, that you're, you mentioned when you kind of, uh, started emphasizing or yeah, emphasizing the gospel more. And it was because you said friends were kind of talking to you that you were missing it. What would you say you were missing exactly? <laughs> um, Okay, so the, what was going on was I knew, I could have told you what the gospel was. Jesus died for my sins. Yeah. Um, but I sort of had thought of the gospel as, okay, Jesus died for my sins, and that's the door that I walk through to get into the kingdom of God. Hmm. I would have said it that way. Okay. What changed was I began to see how 
the life, death, resurrection, and ascension of Jesus didn't just have to do with my life as I first became a believer. It wasn't just a way to get into Christianity, but it was how I needed to relate to everything in my life as mm. intersecting with that one story. Yeah. With the one story. So I think that for a lot of Christians, um, and I've heard this over the years. Yeah, I, I believed that Jesus died for my sin. And yes, I believed that he was resurrected. But I could not have told you. All right, so how does that affect? How should that? How does it affect my daily life when I've got kids who cry all night or have been sick for a while or mm -hmm. when I or or when I uh, am retiring or I don't know if I'm going to have enough money to make it through the month or whatever mm -hmm. what how does that sin incarnation sinless life substitutionary death resurrection and ascension of Jesus why does that matter today right now in the nitty gritty and yeah. that's what changed. Okay. And to see that. Yeah. And do you think that answer, um, cause you mentioned, and you know, I, I know this is true. Like your books speak to different groups of people kind of on how that relates to them is the answer. Would you say the answer is different for different people or is it a matter of the way you communicate it is different from group to group or situation to situation? Well, I think that, you know, uh, audiences differ, of course. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and so we have to, we have to know our audience, but let's, let's put it this way. There's one story and that one story is big enough to fit everybody. Yeah. Okay. So the one story is God's love for us in Christ. That needs to be communicated to, um, to somebody in my age demographic, perhaps differently the, mm. than, than it would be maybe to a 16-year-old or a 13-year-old. Right. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm asking other questions than a 13-year-old. Um, or a young mom, or a, or a single person. I, mm -hmm. I'm asking different questions. But whatever the question is, the answer is always the good news. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's, that makes sense. The it's, I mean, and you, I'm, I'm wondering if you could even say, the way the law affects us all is different. The answer in the gospel is always the same, but getting people to the gospel, you have to kind of be able to diagnose them with the law in whatever situation they find themselves. If we're going to go law gospel here, which. Right. Yeah. Let's go law gospel. Yeah. Let's do it. Yeah. So, you know, the law speaks differently to me as a 73 year old who's sort of looking at kind of wrapping things up, you know, mm -hmm. the law speaks differently to me 
than it does to you or mm-hmm. to uh or or to or or to a person who's in their 40s or 50s and you know trying to figure out okay so now how do i how do i juggle all this the law but here's here's what's interesting the gospel's the same and the law is the same right yeah right mm-hmm. so the law is love god with your whole heart soul mind and strength your neighbors yourself how that plays out in the life of different people is it, it's a challenge in different ways mm-hmm. and then the law then the gospel comes in to comfort and assure us in all these different ways yeah yeah that's helpful i so this leads me to something um i think i saw that you were you were interviewed about this and i'm interested in it so i wanted to talk to you about it um and that's perfectionism this idea, I think it comes up a lot for Christians in particular, but I think it's also, uh, you know, something that everyone struggles with regardless of their beliefs or not. But I was having a conversation with someone on Twitter a while ago, and he made the point that he doesn't think um, perfectionism per se is necessarily like, um, it's not a super attractive uh, desire these days, like people don't really want to talk about being perfect, but I don't think that that means, and I kind of agree with him, but I don't think it means that we've lost the idea of perfectionism. Um, it's just perhaps communicated in different ways. For some reason, this was connected to what you were talking about with law, but I've totally lost it, but I'm curious what, what you think about that idea. Like if, um, perfectionism, maybe it's just what you were saying that the law is the same for all of us in, you know, we have in Matthew, be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. The way that plays out for people as law, whatever that perfect ideal is that we think of is probably different from person to person. Do you think that's true? Have you seen that um, it at play for Christians? Yeah, I don't, I I agree with you. I agree with that sentiment. I don't think anybody says, hey, you need to be perfect. What people say is, uh, hey, you you need to be healthy. Mm -hmm. Right? (laughs) Uh, You need to be, you don't, you know, nobody's saying be a perfect mom. People are saying be a good mom. Yeah, right. Um, Make sure that you feed your children organic food whatever. I mean, Mm -hmm. I I live in Southern California. It's the air we breathe. Yeah. Um, (laughs) uh, At school, at, at work, nobody's saying perfect. Although they are, it's absolutely soul crushing for me to watch particularly what moms are told on social media Yes. Absolutely soul crushing. Mm-hmm. So either you be either you be this traditional right down the road, straight mom, or then or then you're the gentle parent. You mm-hmm. have to parent gently. <laughs> but there's always underneath that this sort of 
perfect impulse. Like I've had parents say to me, I'm so afraid I'm going to screw up my kids. And I'm like, seriously, don't worry about it. You, you are, you will. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) God's got that. God has that. And, um, their salvation never did depend on you. Yeah. And, and so just try to breathe Mm -hmm. in the, in the midst of the chaos you know, so is the word perfect something people are being a perfectionist? You know, that's like a bad word now. Right. But that impulse, Kelsey, the impulse to approve of ourselves because we have got it going on with the law is always there, will yeah. always be there, mm-hmm. whatever we call it. So it's even like plan the perfect, not perfect, plan the vacation where you'll all just rest and be together. And you sort of feel like if I don't get that done right, something bad's going to happen. See, that impulse is really, I I think, and I'd love to know what you think. I I think that that's a way that we use that sort of law sneaks in the back door to, to control things. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I was, and I was going to ask you where you think that comes from. I think it is largely a control issue. Um, And I think it also, you're right. There is like a fear aspect. I know when I think about, my impulse to perfectionism, if we're going to talk about it that way, or the law, it's uh, fear that if I don't do it a certain way, then either I won't be happy or my kids won't be happy, my husband won't be happy, um, my boss won't be happy, whatever. Um, there's There's a fear... I think aspect to it as well, but it's tied then of course to control and the fact that we can control all of those things. Um, and that we can, we can muster up whatever is necessary to, I don't know if I really always have the foresight to think of like big R righteousness, like everything will be at peace, but it's like, my my well-being and my righteousness will be okay in the moment or for this week or whatever. <laughs> I wish I could say almost that I'm really worried about <laughs> the ending righteousness, but I I for I think most of the time I I don't really even get to that point. Yeah. Yeah, I I I I agree totally. I think that 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 impulse to be perfect, however we want to shape that, how that impulse to be the what perfect parent, spouse, employee, student, uh, child, that that impulse, I think is you're absolutely right. It's really driven by this fear. By and and first John four, what eighteen? There, there is no fear in love because perfect love casts out fear. Hmm. 
it's it's a breakdown of resting in that yeah perfect love god has for us it's a breakdown there hmm. and um and it and it's really a i i can't i can't trust i can't trust that everything's going to be the way I hope it's going to be, unless I do my big part and I got to do yeah. really do my big part. And, and it's this sort of, eh, I've really got to, I've really got to control things because after all, and we never would say this, but right. it's here after all sort of God really can't be trusted. Yeah. Right. I mean, you know, does God, does God really care if I have a good vacation? Well, probably not. So I got to work really hard at that. Even, I, I mean, that's assuming that I even get to the thought of God. Right. In the middle. <laughs> I mean, do you? Yeah. No, not necessarily yeah. or generally. Yeah. But, and what's interesting though, is when we can hear this word of gospel in the yeah. middle of this cycle of law and perfection even if we're not think, I don't know, this is, I feel like this is the case for me, even if I'm not thinking about God <laughs> in yeah. that moment, and I'm thinking more about my righteousness before my neighbor and whatever, yeah. however that manifests, if I can hear that gospel word, it does quiet and it silences yeah. that, that voice of law, which is really interesting. Like even when we aren't turned that way, God is God is gracious in kind of giving us that, that quieting of, um, of the law. I, I think it's interesting too, you bring up rest because I've been thinking about that and how that to me seems like the opposite of perfectionism. Yeah. Um, and maybe this is, maybe this is even a different question, but, um, I think some people might hear this and be like, well, what is the problem with perfectionism? Like you're, or what is the problem with striving to do, to be better and to do more? Like that seems like an honorable thing to do. Um, so I'm curious if you could maybe talk a little bit about whether it's like your own experience with perfectionism and where that's led or where you've seen that lead for other people and how it, it isn't, um, it, it doesn't necessarily lead to good places, even though it promises to do so for us. Yeah. So it never leads to good places because you're never perfect enough. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> right? Yeah. So no matter what you do, I seriously, I mean, I mean, here I am 53 years into the Christian life and, and, I still think it's just never enough. I, mm. I just can't. I just, mm, I, I, <laughs> you get it. Yeah. Um, the problem with perfectionism is that if you're looking to approve of yourself and, and pat yourself on the back and say, yeah, I, I'm really good at whatever. If that's what, if that's what you're looking to satisfy your soul with, you will never be satisfied. It's absolutely impossible. It's futile and it will make you and everybody around you nuts hmm. because yeah. 
because uh, I mean, and speaking from experience, I, I honestly used to think, well, if I have to work this hard, why doesn't everybody else? Yeah. <laughs> right. You know, if, if I'm trying this hard to make things right, why aren't you? Mm-hmm. It, it never, yeah. it doesn't, it never brings peace. It never, the only way, the only place to find peace is to say, Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to try to do my best. And I think that's appropriate. Mm. It's appropriate to say, all right, I, I am going to try to do my best. God has opened X door for me, whether it's parenting or schooling or whatever, working, God has opened this door for me. Therefore, I'm going to try to steward my life and this opportunity well. I'm going to try to do a good job. But at the end of the day, nothing in my hands I bring. Mm -hmm. And and I got to say, I can't, I can't do it well enough to be able to actually get past that incessant slave driver mm-hmm. that loves loves to take the law and crush it into my soul. Mm. <clears throat> Excuse me. I can't I can't get there where I can finally right. find rest. Yeah. And honestly, Kelsey, you know, um it's been many years. <laughs> And, and many years of uh, joys, certainly, and work, and heartbreak. Um, And honestly, I'm finally getting to the place where, and and who knows if I really am or not, I may be just kidding myself, (laughs) where I think I'm able to say, hey, you know what, God's God's got to do what the Lord's got to do, and I can't do it, and I will do my best, but I'm just sick to death of trying to approve of myself. Hmm. Yeah. And the key to that, the key to that is approving of Jesus. Can you talk a little bit more about that and kind of what where you found relief for the, the, um, I guess the accusation of, of the law when it comes to perfectionism, um, because that's, I think where I always get stopped up is like, what do, as a perfectionist myself, yeah, I get caught. I, I know that I get caught in this cycle of, yes, I know what I'm doing is crazy. Or like, I know I'm doing the thing I'm, I'm doing it right now. But to me, hearing, hearing you don't need to do anymore, um, that alone doesn't seem to be able to stop my need to do. Um, so I'm curious what, where you have found relief, just even practically, like, what do you, what word kind of gives you that ability to, to rest and put aside projects or whatever? Um, yeah. It's honestly, Kelsey, it's just saying, it's just saying to my heart, all you who labor and are heavy laden, come to me. 
and I'll give you rest. Hmm. And I find myself exhausted or freaking out or, and, and I, I, I think I've come to maybe I've come to the place in my own life where I can just, I can honestly just sort of stop and say, I am weary and heavy laden. I need rest. Give me rest of my soul. And then, and then the other thing, and I don't know if that's helpful or not, but then the other yeah. thing that's really helpful to me is I, I, I do try to spend time thinking about Jesus. <laughs> um, like, for instance, I'm, I'm starting tomorrow, actually, whenever this tomorrow for us as we're recording is Ash Wednesday. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, um, so I'm going to go through a 40 day devotional on the transfiguration. Hmm. Cause honestly, I've never thought about it. Yeah. <laughs> it's a, a weird moment <laughs> for sure. Wait a minute. <laughs> yeah. Um, what happened? <laughs> what? what? <laughs> I'm longing to think more and more about him. Hmm. And as I do that, this peace happens, you know? Um, and then the other thing that I think is helpful is to try to unplug from all of the voices of law that tell me I really need to do better. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. So social media, whatever kind of media, certain, certain books, certain people, um, always sort of feeling like, eh, I don't really measure up. Just trying to unplug as much as I can from places that make me feel like, oh, I got to do something. Yeah. That are shouting that condemnation at you. Yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's helpful. That's great. I, I always, um, something I, I've noticed is that when I, like my perfectionism starts to, and you mentioned this earlier, creep in and affect other people, <laughs> that kind of does it for me. Like, I'm like, oh, wait, this actually isn't healthy. Um, and there's this, I'm just randomly thinking of this. There's this, uh, social media account. I, I'm going to have to look up the name. It's like real crunchy mom or something. And she's like making fun of, I don't know if you, you know who I'm talking about. She's making fun of all of the crunchy things that moms do and probably specifically like Christian moms do. Yeah. And there's this one skit that she, she's like working on her sourdough and her <laughs> husband keeps asking her, he's like, Hey, hun, the baby's crying. Like, could you take a minute? And she's like, no, I'm like 48 hours into this proof. And I need to like, she's, she's so focused on her sourdough that she can't do anything else or help her family or her husband at all. And so anyway, I, that, all that to say, like, that's something that I think is interesting. Um, and kind of, it's an interestingly, another jolt of law of like, oh, wait, this, 
<laughs> I'm, I'm failing. And um, the reason I'm failing is because I'm trying to do everything on my own. I, I know that you've written some about this as well, probably specifically when it comes to women's ministry, and we don't need to go just into that. But I'm curious where you've seen the church fail when it comes to being a refuge from perfectionism. What what tends to happen when the church gets it wrong? And then maybe we can talk about what the church should get right. But um, what have you seen in your many years of ministry um, where the church, uh, yeah, kind of fails us and maybe even fans the flames of perfectionism? Yeah, so... Um... And, and let's let's talk in particular about ministry to women for women. Yeah. Um, because I think that most ministry to women in broader evangelicalism has to do with how to get your act together. Yeah. Um, and and that's it's just so soul crushing. How how to be a better homemaker. How to have good sourdough? I swear to you, I wouldn't. I wouldn't know. You could. I. You could tell me you'd pay me a million dollars, and I wouldn't tell you how to do that. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you know how to how to fold napkins. How to? I. I think a lot of that kind of stuff. I think a lot of that kind of women's ministry has now gone away. But mm-hmm. now it's all about how to be passionate and joyful. Yeah, that's interesting. Mm -hmm. And and that's law too. It is. Yeah. Or how to be brave and vulnerable. Yeah. Or yeah. I wish I could say, I wish I could say, oh, we're living in a time when people really understand the gospel and, and those things don't really, that siren song doesn't really call anymore. It, it most certainly does. It's just changed from what it was when I was younger to what it is now, you know? Yeah. And it will continue to do so. Yeah. For sure. Like that's, that's just what we do. <laughs> yeah. Right. We, we mm-hmm. take law and, and we morph it or it morphs us to become this thing that speaks to our particular moment. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's just exhausting. And um, so whatever it is, if this is what I think, I I think Kelsey, that the reason we do that, we're always trying to find some thing, be be transparent, be joyful, be passionate, be whatever, all these things, all of that business, whether it's that or political power Mm -hmm. or be this great mom, um, whatever, all of those things, they fill up our hearts and minds because we have lost so much of evangelical Christianity has really lost. I'm a broken record. How the gospel <laughs> intersects. Hmm. See, why does it matter that Jesus lived a perfect life in my place? 
Jesus lived a perfect life in my place. And I have to take that and keep coming back to it and coming back to it. Um, you know, I was talking to a friend and she was talking about uh, her, her parent dying. And, oh, I, I, I don't think, I don't think I did a good, en good enough job loving. And I'm like, hmm. ah! <laughs> Jesus did a good enough job loving his parent who died. Hmm. But see, we don't put those things together. Um, I have another friend actually, who's, husband is in the process of dying of cancer and she was telling me and I listened and this wasn't our whole conversation but she was telling me I just I just have so much trouble trying to love him because he's just so needy hmm. and 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 okay yeah I get that but then mm -hmm. she's struggling with all this guilt because hmm. she's not, she doesn't think she's loving well because she thinks she's supposed to be a perfect lover right and i'm like yeah but you know you don't have to do that you don't you don't have to be the perfect lover do your best and at the end of the day fall in bed and say jesus i'm falling on your mercy hmm. i screwed it up bad today but lord i'm resting in you there's definitely that comfort which is very real and helpful this the idea of jesus perfect obedience for us i think something else that i found helpful and i'm interested in your thoughts is um and this is something that i know we've talked about and kind of gets brought up in like our circles a little bit but i think a lot of what's missing from evangelical christianity is an emphasis on um, the righteousness bestowed on us through Christ's death and resurrection. And so we think of like going to him for forgiveness when we mess up so that we can just try again and we can just do another attempt at perfection tomorrow. So like, yeah, I, I messed up today, but I'm going to just get up and do it again tomorrow. And maybe tomorrow I'll get it right. And the idea of or the fact that he actually uh, justifies us and calls us righteous now to me has also been kind of a, um, a calming force when, because it means that I'm going to fail again tomorrow, but in his eyes, I'm already righteous. And because I'm going to fail and because I'm already righteous, I can be honest with, him. I can continue to be honest with him about my failure rather than sweeping it under the rug and continuing to try again. Has that, have you found that to be a comfort at all? Um, and do you have, do you see that talked about much in, in your circles or in evangelical Christianity? I feel like there's a need, but I'm curious what your thoughts are. There is absolutely a need. Um, when I, when I speak at conferences and I say the righteousness of Christ has been bestowed on you, all, all God's wrath for all your sin has already been poured out on the head of the son he loves, which means he has no wrath left for you. But not mm -hmm. only that, you are also completely approved of. You have, you already have perfection. You already right. have it. 
Yeah. You already have perfection. When I say things like that, I have people who will come to me and say, I've been, I've been a Christian for 40 years and I've never heard this. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, no wonder we feel crushed. Mm -hmm. Because whether it's just the <clears throat> six steps to having a better marriage or, or where the law, <laughs> love God and your neighbor, good grief, um, it's going to crush you, mm -hmm. will absolutely crush you. No matter how hard you try, and every single day you say, yeah, I'm going to get up tomorrow and do better, and actually, no, you won't. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you might for a couple of days. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know. <laughs> You're you're gonna you're gonna make some assumptions about how you're doing. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that too. <laughs> right. Um, but it's it's just that, and and I love I, I love to think about you know nobody talks about righteousness, but but let's it it is it is Christ's righteousness. It's his it's his record of perfect obedience that's mm -hmm. given to us so that I'm counted perfectly obedient and I'm, I'm not just forgiven, but I'm also counted perfectly obedient. And in that obedience that's already been given to me, then I can stop trying to approve of myself. I, yeah. I, I can be free from that mm -hmm. because I already have what I'm trying to get. And all of my effort to get it is actually flying in the face of what Christ has done. Yeah. So, but we don't talk about, you know, do we say the word righteous? I, I think the word just, I'm, I'm okay before God. I mean, I know okay can mean like, oh, less than, but I mean, you know, I have peace with God. I have peace with God through my Lord. Jesus Christ, because of what he's done. And then, and then in the sacraments also, you know, mm -hmm. I have, I have peace bestowed. Mm. Shalom bestowed on me yeah. in a very, uh, both objective and subjective way. Yes. Yeah. Both. Mm -hmm. Right. So that I know, so that I know, boy, every single week at church, get the bread and the wine. <laughs> how, I, I don't know how people live without it. I, yeah. I, I'd starve. But <laughs> just, just knowing, hey, he invited me to his table. Mm. And he says, you're my bride. And I love you. Come on up and let's have, let's have supper together. Hmm. Right. Yeah. And, and it's there in that moment that I'm reminded, Oh, I'm okay. Mm -hmm. I can breathe. I'm okay. And we get it so backwards because it's, I think we look to, or yeah, my go-to is to look to my neighbor to tell me, whether I'm like, we've talked about, I'm realizing it or not what my standing is before God. If I'm doing okay with my neighbor, then I'm feeling pretty self-justified. 
um, in reality, God tells us through his sacraments and through his word that we are okay with him so that we can then look at our neighbor. And when we talk about like Christian freedom, we're talking about the fact that we're free from the condemnation that will come when we fail our neighbor. We're free from that because of what God says to us so that we can just serve them in whatever capacity they need to be served. Um, and I think that that's like a big reversal of the way that we, uh, in our sinful nature want to think it's, it's actually a complete reversal. (laughs) So it's, it's, it's difficult, but that's, I think, again, why it's so important that we hear, hear the gospel and we, we hear it week in and week out through, um, we receive it through the sacraments and through the preaching of God's word. I think it's just, that's why it's so essential. Yeah, I totally agree. What am I, like 53 years into this gig now? I, I still got to hear it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I write books on this stuff. Right. And I still yeah. have to hear it. Yeah. I still have to remind myself of it. And I'll, ha- and I'll have people who will say to me, okay, so I, I, I think I understand what you're saying. So I get it. I get it. And I'm like, no, you don't. <laughs> you're never going to get it. I mean, yeah. you, you grow in it, right? Mm-hmm. You, you grow in your love for and understanding of it, but you, you're not going to get it. Not here. <laughs> yeah. We will get it. Well, we'll have eternity to get it. Yeah. But, yeah. but we're never going to be at the place where we can finally sit down and say, yeah, I, I totally got it. It's wired. I, you know, and then just to be comfortable in that if you will Mm. to say it's okay it's okay see the bible tells me all that i need to know about myself and the gospel tells me all that i need to know on top of that and so i just know it's okay i don't need to fight anymore Hmm. so i do want to work hard and i want to try to do the best i can and i and whenever i find myself judging myself and I can say to myself, like Paul does in Corinthians, you're not wise. Stop it. Hmm. Hmm. <laughs> and then look to Christ. I don't know if this is just a asking the same question over and over again, but if it's if it's not, you can answer. Um, for the person, for the perfectionist who finds themselves kind of stuck in just a cycle of doing more and uh, trying harder. And then, of course, as we've kind of mentioned, the anxiety and the the condemnation that can come with that. What would be your your advice or your suggestion um, for them to turn? Yeah, you know, we have we have habitual ways of thinking. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and those habitual ways of thinking, whether it, it, if they're ways of thinking about being perfect at whatever, um, it takes time to put that, those thoughts off, hmm. and that I think is one of the places where you know we can we can look at um, what is it Ephesians four and say okay so these are the things I'm going to put off, and then these are the things I'm going to put on. 
And then in Philippians 4, Paul says, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is pure, whatever is just, whatever is praiseworthy, think on these things Hmm. so that for the person who has a habitual way of thinking and striving to be perfect, make a list at some point when you're in your right mind about, you know, what are the things that God says about me? Make a list. What are the things that God says about me that are true about me? Go to Ephesians 1. What are the things that God says about me that are true? And write those things down on a little note card or something. And then when you find yourself on that hamster wheel (laughs) around and around and around, when you find yourself there, get that list out. I I, I know it sounds really dumb, but you know what? There's this putting off of these old ways of thinking and putting on the new ways of thinking. And look at what God says about you. Hmm. Yeah. Think about that. So when you feel, and you know, when you feel yourself anxious or annoyed, irritated, because people aren't doing what they're supposed to be doing and I've got all the stuff I've got to do and that, then you get the list out and you say, okay, what's true? Philippians 4 tells me I need to think about what's true. So what's true? Oh, he calls me his beloved. Hmm. Oh, my sins are forgiven. Oh. I've been made perfect in Christ. Oh, and take yourself back there. That's not, that's not magic pixie dust. Yeah. But what it does is over time, your mind will change. I, uh, I've just been thinking as you've been talking this whole time of, um, this, this metaphor for what the law can do to us and why this is important, um, to be reminded of, and to hear again who we are in Christ. I, um, yesterday I was, I had had, we had a long day. We've had a long few weeks in our family. And I (laughs) was rushing to, I was definitely in a mindset of like, I just got to get stuff done. We're going to get through the day. Uh, we're, I got to do all these things. So I was thinking of my list and I was unloading, I had parked our car in our garage. I was unloading the kids and I was lifting up, um, the trunk to get stuff out. And I was going so fast and looking, not looking where I was going that I hit the door of the trunk of our car (laughs) as I was turning the corner and blood like poured out of my head. Um, And so all that to say, when you're not paying attention to, or when you forget who you are in Christ, you forget the gospel, the law is going to, the condemnation of the law is going to get you at some point. And it really got me yesterday. <laughs> so I needed this today to be reminded of who I am in Christ. Cause I got really crushed by the law literally yesterday. <laughs> and you know what? I, I'm, I'm sorry. You have a boo-boo. But <laughs> it's okay. That's, that's the perfect metaphor. Yeah. <laughs> the law will stop you in your tracks one yeah, way or another. <laughs> yeah, it will. It will. Yeah. And then you say, oh, okay. Uh, okay. Wait, wait. So my getting all this done doesn't mean anything about mm. who I am. Right. Or what God can do. 
or what God yeah. has done. Amen. Well, um, what are you working on right now? Tell us what what you've been doing. I want to be on the lookout for it. I, I think I heard that you have a new book coming out um, sometime soon. So would love to hear a little bit about that before we wrap up. Yeah, thanks, Kelsey. That's really sweet. Um, okay, so we have a um, revision and republication of Give Them Grace, which is going okay. to be out at the end of the year uh, with Ravel. And so Jessica and I went through and um, updated it, added a couple of chapters, changed our perspective on some things. So that Give Them Grace will be out in the fall. And then I also have a that's book great. that's coming out entitled Unloved, The Rejected Saints God Calls Beloved. And that okay. as well will be out at the end of the year. Uh, just basically looking at taking a hard look at the lives of people that the Lord loved and how it sort of didn't all come together peachily for them. Hmm. And um, so maybe, uh, maybe that sort of thing. And then also I'm, I'm rather involved with uh, world relief right now, seeking to, um, seeking to minister to asylum seekers who okay. cross the border here in San Diego. So That's great. Um, yeah, I, I, I wasn't looking for it. Got invited to go on a little bit of a, field trip and uh yeah the lord turned me around so there we go well yeah. thank you thanks sure so much you this has been so great thanks outside ourselves is a 1517 podcast and show to learn more about all of our podcasts and all of our shows please go to 1517.org forward slash podcasts. A few things that we have coming up at 1517, we have the Northwest Arkansas Huey Still Stand Regional Conference. I believe there are still a few tickets left for that conference. So if you would like to join us the first weekend in May, please make sure to check out the link in the show notes. Uh, if you are not yet a supporter of 1517, the reason we are able to produce the large amount of content that we produce day in and day out is because of viewers like you because of readers like you uh so to find out more about ways that you can help us that you can donate and become a supporter of 1517 make sure to check out the links below as well um, and the support button on our website if you enjoy outside ourselves and you have not yet left a five-star review wherever you're listening or watching i would really love if you could do that it should take you about two seconds or less if you have about two minutes i would also love if you could write a written review if you're watching on youtube please make sure to subscribe and share this episode with your friends and family that's an easy way to get the word out about the show i'll be back here in a couple weeks with our next guest